Hey friends, welcome to Real Talk with Rachel. I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert, and I'm so glad that you chose to tune in today. This show is a safe space with real conversations to help you live free and pursue your God-given dreams. Today's topic is how to take back your time with a guilt-free guide to life balance. Be sure to stick around till the end of the show for a short segment where I share counselor-approved strategies to take this Real Talk episode and make it relevant in your everyday life through simple action steps. Today's guest is another one who has been on the show before. I love her so much and I love this message, so I invited her back to talk about it. Christy Wright is a number one national best-selling author, personal development expert, and host of The Christy Wright Show. Since 2009, Christy has served at Ramsey Solutions, where she teaches on personal development, business, and faith. Her new book, Take Back Your Time, just released, and it's one that you're going to want to add to your book list. In fact, Christy's team is giving away three copies of her book. To enter, you can leave a review for the show and tell us your favorite takeaway, or you can tag both Christy and me on social media. I am at Rachel J. Gilbert, and Christy is at Christy B. Wright. And if I read your review in the next few weeks on the shows, you will know that you have won. All right, my friends, please help me welcome Christy to the show right now. Well, hello, Christy. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited about this. Yeah, I was trying to remember when you were on the first time. I think it was just earlier this year, wasn't it? I was going to say, it doesn't feel like that long ago. I feel like, oh, hey, old friend, like I haven't seen you in a little bit, but not too long. (laughs) I know. Well, it's weird too, because I don't know about you, but this year feels so weird to me. Like I can't, like the beginning of this year feels like a year ago and I don't know. So I'm all kinds of confused sometimes about the time. I'm like, (laughs) that was just last week. And it's like, no, it wasn't. Um, Anyway, I'm glad to have you back. I'm thrilled to talk to you about this topic. But before we jump into that, I would love to hear what's a random fact about you that's not on your bio. I can say my alphabet backwards. I think you did. I think you told us that last time. Okay. I played soccer on an on a soccer team with all Guatemalan men that spoke no English. Okay, you did not tell us that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I that's have so crazy. many r- weird facts. <laughs> I love it. You're like the best guest that uh, most of my guests are like, um, I don't know, but you're like rapid fire giving me fun Worked facts. Worked on a farm, <laughs> li- li- competed in a Latin ballroom dance competition. I have so many weird things about me, Rachel. Where do we start? <laughs> oh, I love it. You know, one of the reasons I always ask my, my guests that question is I just want the listeners to hear your human side, you know, because sometimes right. our bios are so pretty. Like I have a hard time when people ask for my bio because I'm I'm like, I mean, do you want all the like nerdy, boring accolades and degrees I have? Or do you want me just to tell you the real stuff? You know, like <laughs> well, I read a great book called Humor Seriously, and it talks about integrating humor into your bio. Mm-hmm. And so we were, we were workshopping, changing my bio to say something like, you know, after like, you know, she's spoken at these events, written these books. It's like two like normal facts. And then third one's like, despite her efforts to inspire and motivate millions of people, she can't motivate her own kids to like follow the rules or go pee pee in the potty. You know what I mean? Like uh, just like the most real life. Cause I'm like, yeah, I mean, I can motivate people and my own children will not cooperate half the time. Yeah. Know? So just keep it real. Keep it comical. I love that. I love how you incorporated that into what you actually do too, because sometimes bios try to get fun and they're like, and she loves coffee and long walks. Right. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> wow. Is that a joke? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Except I can't put that on mine because I don't love coffee. So that's a fun right. fact about me. <laughs> okay, we're going to get to the actual topic. We're having fun already. Um, all right, so your new book, Take Back Your Time. Uh, I always love to ask authors, where did this idea come from? Usually it's something you've had to wrestle out on your end before you had to put it out into the world. So where did this come from for you? Yeah, we we write the books we need, right? Let's mm-hmm. authors just write the book that they need. Um, you know, so I've been a business coach for over a decade. And the number one question that I have been asked this whole time is not a business question. It's this question. Mm-hmm. How do you balance it all? How do you balance everything? How do you have work-life balance? And so I've noticed that I'm asked this question by men and women, by those that work in business, have a career, have a side business, work in the home, have kids, don't have kids at all ages, We all struggle with feeling like we don't have enough time or knowing how to manage our time. And um, the guilt and the pressure we feel is just exhausting in our world where you've just got more coming at you than ever before. So I knew it was a problem. And so the, the entrepreneur content creator in me wants to solve what are these big problems people have. So that was a piece of it. But then, I mean, man, it took on a whole new meaning in my own life when I had three kids in five years. And I also have a lot of interest and I also get burnt out and exhausted and feel stretched too thin. So I thought, okay, this is a pain point for people. It's a pain point for me. And it feels like, Rachel, all the things that we do to solve it don't work. It feels like, oh, I just need to be more productive, more efficient, need to multitask, have a better morning routine, wake up earlier, pour more coffee, stay up later, all these things. And we just run harder and faster and we just end up exhausted not more balanced. And so it just led me down this path of discovery and research and experimenting, honestly, of saying, what if balance isn't so much something you do, how you balance it all perfectly? What if balance is something you can create in your life where you can be balanced and still be busy or balanced, even though your world is out of balance, where balance looks more like peace, Mm. confident in your choices, being proud of how you spend your time, actually enjoying your life. I think that's what we're really after when we say we want balance. I think we really just want to enjoy our life and be proud of how we spend our time. And it turns out the path to that is not productivity. And so it set me on this path to redefine balance and give you tactical steps to achieve your version of that in your own life. I love this topic so much because I also get asked that question a lot. How do you do it all? And honestly, it's weird for me I do less now than I ever have, but I'm very laser-like focused on the things I do, you know, and like I have these things that I feel so called to and I have to say no to a lot, but it's just interesting to me when you're saying yes to the right things in your life that I actually, on the outside looking in, it makes me look like I get so much done, you know, and I'm like, no, I mean, I've had to learn it. And so anyway, I just love this conversation. So you actually talk about um, four main reasons that we feel out of balance. So let's just chat about a couple of those. First up is we're doing too much. (laughs) How do we stop this insanity? (laughs) Well, I think, yeah, we need to understand what makes us feel out of balance. And so I give four reasons. One is the most obvious. You're doing too many things. So we refuse to acknowledge that our time is finite. We just want to cram everything above the line. We're going to multitask and rush to fit it all in versus having to make choices. The way the analogy I use is um, grocery shopping. So I go grocery shopping and every time, every time I do this, Rachel, I come home, I open the back of my SUV and I look at all the bags. It can be two bags or 25 bags. It doesn't matter. My eyes scan all these plastic bags and I think, oh yeah, 
I can get this in one trip. Sure can. And I just start loading up the plastic bags all the way up to my shoulder. Doesn't matter if we got milk and orange juice and watermelons. I'm loading them up. My veins are bulging. My wrists are blue. I'm knocking into walls. The bags are breaking. Apples are rolling down the street. And I look like a crazy person and I'm exhausted and frustrated. Why? Because I was never meant to carry all that at one time. Mm. And as long as we try to cram more into our lives and our schedule and our day, then our time will allow physically, then we're going to be exhausted, not to mention out of balance. So that's the first one is just doing too many things. Number two is the opposite. It's not doing enough things. And this might be for someone that is newly retired or an empty nester. They changed jobs, quit their job, lost a job, something where something major has shifted in their life. And they're going, wow, I don't really have responsibilities to show up for or relationships to connect with or outlets to use my gifts. And so they're going to feel bored and out of balance in an opposite way. The third cause is doing the wrong things. As long as you spend your life doing things that are not important to you, you're going to be out of balance. Even if you perfectly manage your calendar, if you're doing things that are not important to you, that are not right for you, that are not life-giving to you, you're going to feel stressed and resentful and anxious and angry because you're spending your time on something that you don't care about. And then the fourth cause is we're not doing the right things. All these things that we care about, that are life-giving, that we love, that are important to us, that we value. If we don't spend time on them, then we're going to be stressed and frustrated and anxious and angry because we're not spending our time and our one life on what we actually care about. So all four of these are ways that we get out of balance and different people might connect with some more than others or, or whatever. But the way that I define life balance in the book is this. Life balance is not doing everything for an equal amount of time. It's about doing the right things at the right time. And when you do the right things at the right time, and the good news is you get to decide what's right for you, you will actually feel that sense of balance you've been looking for all along. And so we have to understand what gets in the way of that. What gets in the way of us doing the right things at the right time so we can guard against it and refocus on what's right right now. Today's episode is brought to you by JoyMail the monthly newsletter I release that's full of resources that deliver a little joy and practical action steps into your inbox and life. To sign up, simply head to rachelgilbert.com, click the Start Here tab, and sign up for the newsletter right there. I love all of these points, but I want to focus in on when we're not doing the right things. I just, it makes me think about, you know, I think about the day-to-day woman And I think we all know this, like deep down, you know, like when you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. So how can we determine then and then actually take steps to not continue to do the wrong things, um, like to to really just look at our life and take a couple steps back and go, okay, what am I really doing? (laughs) Which of these things am I not supposed to be doing? And because I'm doing these things, I'm not able to do what I really want to. Do you have any practical advice or even an example in your own life where you ha- you realize, oh man, I'm doing the wrong thing. I need to stop and pivot. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because it can happen several different ways. It can happen because we say yes to um, people that need us, mm-hmm. that have all these opportunities or they guilt us into it or, oh, we really need a soccer coach for your child's team. And you react to the external demands, the external opportunities. And when you say yes to these things, the consequences you're saying no to other things and you might be saying no to things that are actually important to you where um, I'm just going to make something up. Okay. We're just making up examples here. Let's say for example, that what's right for you right now is taking care of your mom 
and she's sick and you need to spend time with her and, and that's what's right for you. But because you don't realize that that's right and you've not focused on that and you've not intentionally decided that, then you start reacting to all these demands. And so you, so you say yes to your child's school and you say yes to this work thing. So you're staying late at work on one day and the next day you're at a PTA meeting and the next day you're coaching soccer. You feel this angst in your spirit because you're not spending time with your mom. Because what's right for you, if you were to stop and think about it clearly, is spending time with your mom, taking care of your mom. But because you just keep reacting to everyone else a little at a time, one decision here, one decision there, not on purpose, you're not able to spend time on what's right. You can flip that to anything. Let's say that, um, you know, a woman is listening right now and she wants to start a business. And if she were to sit down and really get honest with herself and say, what matters most? What is my top priority? I really want to start this business in this season. But because she never makes time for it, never blocks time for it, she's always keeping up with her kids and keeping up with all these other commitments, maybe a full-time job, these other things. She never gets around to it. And she thinks, oh, I'll work on the business when there's time left over and there's never time left over. So whether you're doing the wrong things out of guilt or obligation, or maybe just getting distracted, or even they're good things, they're just not the most important thing. Anytime it's taking you away from what's right for you, from a sick parent to starting a business to working out to whatever, you're going to feel that angst in your spirit because you're not spending your time on what's actually important to you. And so I just love helping people in a tactical way. And I lay out five steps in the book to do this. I help people determine what's right right now. And the great news is what's right right now doesn't mean that it's going to be right forever. It could just be in the season. Hey, what's right in the season is taking care of my mom. What's right in the season is totally being hands-on with my kids. What's right in the season is running a marathon, whatever you get to decide. It's not right forever necessarily, but it gives you permission to what's focus, focus on what's right right now and shake the guilt for all the things that are not right right now. So for example, in this season, three things that make the cut for me, three priorities that I have are launching a book, spending time with my family and seminary. Those are the three things that make the cut. Other things that are important to me that are not right right now, having a clean house, working out in time with friends. They were important this last summer. I spent time on those things. Not now. They don't make the cut right now. But I don't feel guilty about that because just because they're not right right now doesn't mean they're never right. Right now, I'm launching a book. Right now, I'm in seminary and I'm spending time with my family. And so I just want to help people discern what's right right now so that they can spend time on it and focus on it and feel that sense of balance, doing the right things at the right time, but also shake the guilt for all the things that are not right right now. Oh, this is so good. I would love to hear your thoughts on, and I'll give an example to illustrate this question, on when people believe that if you can't do something all the time, like commit one hundred, like a ton of time to something, that you shouldn't do it at all. For example, when I first started this podcast, I was actually in graduate school, and I felt God tell me to start the podcast but I did what you were saying. I looked at my schedule and I was like, okay, Lord, I could honestly, the only way I could start this podcast is if I did one episode a month because in the beginning I edited it myself. And so for me, I had to make a decision. Do I want to wait to start it till I'm a couple years out of school where I could do it weekly and all this stuff or am I supposed to start it just with what I can right now, with what time I do have? And I did. I started it with one episode a month, totally backwards from what everybody would tell you to do, right? But I gave myself permission to start with what I could, you know, to put what time I could put into it. Now I get to do weekly and I have somebody who, who edits the show for me. But I see the same theme in exercise. People think if I can't work out for an hour to two hours a day, I just can't do it at all at all. 
as opposed to well, what about could you do a 10 minute walk? You know, why do we have to throw the whole thing out? What are your thoughts on that? Like figuring out if it is something that's important to them. But like you said, maybe not their top three, you know, it didn't fit in that top three, but they say, hey, I still want to at least be active. You know, I'm not training for a marathon, but I'd still love to go for a 10 minute walk. What would your be your advice on on that type of a thing on on managing time in that way? Well, you make such a great point because we have a tendency to, and entrepreneurs are really bad about this, but but I think everybody does it. We swing to extremes. So I'm either working out every day or doing nothing and eating Oreos by the sleeve, mm-hmm. but you know, like just camped out on the couch eating Ben and Jerry's. There's no middle. Yeah. There's no moderation. We love the big impressive. I'm going to do a six mile run. And if all you can do is a four mile walk, you're just not going to do it at all because it's not impressive. We love the impressive. We love the extremes. We love the things we can brag about to to friends or even just brag about to ourselves. Like, yeah, I did that. And those are cool. It's not bad to have these big milestones, do these big things. But the reality is it's not sustainable to be fully focused on everything all the time. And so I think there's this beautiful middle, which is way less impressive. You're not bragging anybody about a four mile walk. Okay. It's way less impressive but it's more sustainable and it actually allows you to engage in some of these things that fill you up, even if it's not the main thing. So to your point, I love working out and in a normal season where I'm uh, not launching a book, for example, I will work out probably two to three times a week. And that makes me feel really good. I have a real bad back. So sometimes like doing yoga and stuff really, really helps my back pain. Well, in this season, I'm not doing it, but here's what I'll do. I'll go downstairs and roll out my yoga mat and I'll do like five to seven minutes of stretching. That's not impressive. No one's getting impressed by this, but man, it makes my back feel good. When I start my day, it has stretched out my back from the stiffness. Well, you might think, well, since I can't do a workout, I'm not gonna do anything at all. There's something beautiful of the the middle of this moderation of doing some is better than none. A four mile walk that you do is better than a four mile, a five mile run that you never do. Mm -hmm. And so I wanna encourage people Yes, it may look different in different capacities in different seasons, but what matters is that you're spending your time on these things that are important to you, even if that looks different than it did in another season, or even if it looks different than you want it to another time. Yeah, that's such great advice. Okay, so let's go back to you. You mentioned a second ago that you have five steps that you walk people through. What in the first step is to decide what matters Can you walk us through, which we've already touched on this a little bit, but you know, you mentioned what matters to you in this season. So to a listener, how would she say, okay, I want to figure out what my top three are, you know, like what in this season, how would she do that? Yes. Well, I, if you're going to do the right things at the right time, you need to know what the right things are. And so I actually walk through prioritizing in the book, but a very simple way to ask yourself is what's right right now or what's important right now. If that is a hard question to answer, and for many people it is, you can ask yourself a different question. And I'll walk through this in the book. Ask yourself who you want to be. Like, who, who do you want to be? What type of woman do you want to be? What type of man do you want to be? What type of leader do you want to be? When you start thinking about who you want to be, the adjectives you want to have said about you, the reputation you want to type of, type of you know, build and what you want to be known for, what's so interesting is it will bring clarity to what you're supposed to do. Because you'll do things that allow you to be the person that you want to be. And you begin to fill your calendar with activities that allow you to be the person you want to be. Because it's really more about who we are than what we do. And so, um, for example, uh, one of the things that's really important to me is I want to be fun in life, but especially for my kids. 
and I want to be present. Well, if I want to be fun and present, if I want to be present, I need to put my phone away. If I want to be fun, I need to have rest. I need to get some good sleep. I am no fun when I'm tired. I'm grouchy and short-tempered and impatient. And so just begin to think about what, what do you want to be known for? Who do you want to be? Like in this season, I'll be honest, one, like this summer was fun, Christy. It's like, I want to be fun. I want to be present. I want to work out and be outside and be adventurous. It was like this. You can even think about this in terms of your season. I know this sounds silly, but you really can. This fall, I want to be hardworking. I want to, for this concentrated short period of time, just a a couple months, be all in on this book. I'm going to say yes to every opportunity. I'm going to come early, stay late and work my behind off because that's who I want to be. And that's in line with my values and what's right right now for me launching the book. I'm not launching this book in March. I'm launching it right now. So it's time sensitive. It's important for me to make a difference and make an impact. And so when you start to think about who you want to be, it will tell you, what matters most to you, what's right right now, what you should actually do. And then you'll know what matters. These are your top three to five things that you want to focus on in this season. And that can inform your calendar and what you spend your time on. I love that permission you just gave. The seasons thing makes so much sense to me because that was me this summer. I graduated from grad school. I took off July just to be do all the fun things, did traveling and all the things. And then now I'm in book writing season and it is, it's just so different. I just, I love how I, I love looking at it as seasons. I don't know if I've ever heard anybody say that before. I also love how God always prepares our hearts for different things. Just last night, um, one thing that's non-negotiable in our family, of course, on nights that my kids have sports, this doesn't happen, but we sit down and we have dinner as a family. That's just a big deal for us. And we have these table topic conversation starters. And so we'll pull out a card Last night's card went in so aligned with what you just said. And um, one of the questions was, would you rather be known as a person for your character or your accomplishments? And it really mm-hmm. st- struck a great conversation among my husband and I and our kids, because of course, most of us said character, but then I did have one of my daughters. She was like, I know the answer I should say is character, but if I'm honest, it's, I kind of want accomplishments. And then we got to talking about, well, why can't we have both? You know, why can't we yeah. do be women, a men of character, but also have accomplishments, you know? And so it just yeah. so goes hand in hand with who, what do you want to be known for? Where does that line up? And, um, I just love thinking like that. So another thing that you talk about is ditching distractions. <laughs> yeah. How, how can you we have a million of them? <laughs> exactly. There's so many distractions. And I think if this, I don't remember which section it was in your book that you said um, that nobody's ever energized by scrolling Instagram. That one struck me. <laughs> I was like, that's truth. so true. I've never got off like, yes, let's do this. Like, I'm worried about myself yeah, and my life. <laughs> exactly. So let's talk about some distractions. Some distractions are very noticeable, right? We could, oh yeah. Okay. What are some common distractions that you see? Well, this is huge because as we kind of walk through this path, we were just talking about step one, decide what matters. Step two is stop doing what doesn't matter. And you get to define what doesn't matter to you. These are your distractions. These are things that are taking your time and attention and energy away from things that do matter to you. So for example, um, if you were to say like, like to your example with your, your daughter, like, well, I know the right answer is if you were to ask me like, Christy, what is important to you in the evenings? Well, it's important to me in the evenings to have some good quality time with my husband because we are at work all day. We're taking care of kids when we're not at work in the morning and the evening. Like the only time we get together is from like eight to 10 at night. So it's important to me that I connect with him, that we laugh, that we play, that we talk, that we catch up on our day. What do we often do? Watch a show, mm-hmm. clean the kitchen, 
scroll Instagram, nothing life-giving, mm-hmm. fold laundry. And so when you begin to think like, okay, all these things are not bad things. I don't hate TV. I don't hate social media, but we have more time than we think we do. We're just spending it on things that are not the most important to us. So when we begin to discern what is most important, we can cut out some of the junk that's not important. And so, um, so you just begin to think of, okay, wh- where do I lose time? I feel tempted to check out on the couch and scroll social media because I'm just so tired. I can't think about doing anything different or I get distracted by other people's problems becoming my problem. Someone comes to me and goes, man, we really need a coach for the soccer team. And I think I'll do it where that's their problem, not my problem. If I want to make it my problem, that's fine. But we, we often react to everything else going on around us. And then we have no time left for what we actually care about. And so ask yourself what matters to you. If it is that person's problem, great. That's fine. You just need to discern what matters to you and what doesn't. And you have permission to not do the things that don't matter to you. And so um, there are some common ones. We, we also have these uh, traps that we fall into where we want to earn love from others. We want to uh, prove ourselves, prove that we're a good mom. We have all these things that can really steal our time. And, and one of the things I talk about in the book is every commitment on your calendar, every task on your to-do list, represents a deeper motivation in you. And if we don't get to the root level, the root issue of what's going on and why we do what we do, you can fix the calendar all day, but those issues are going to creep up again and again. So I like to help people understand where, where are you specifically losing time? Here are some common things. You might not struggle with scrolling Instagram at all. You might struggle with being a people pleaser and you say yes to everything because you don't know how to say no. Okay, well then we need to work on that. So it's different things for different people, but the bottom line is, if something's not important to you, with very few exceptions, it shouldn't get your time. You just dropped some wisdom right there that I think we need to stop and just reflect on for a second about your to-do list and how it a lot of those items can define a lot about you as a person. And especially because if I get rid of something on my to-do list, if I didn't tackle the root of why that thing was on my to-do list in the first place... I'll just replace it with something else that that's right makes me feel like that need is being met there. That's exactly right. There's some fascinating research I talk about in the book where, um, and many people know this, when you do something that gives you pleasure, your brain releases dopamine. And so that, that dopamine, that chemical is telling your brain to go do that more. Well, this works with its, um, you know, eating two, three pieces of cake, slot machines, checking Instagram, taking drugs, your brain is telling you to do that activity more, whether that activity benefits you or not. And so it can get you in really unhealthy cycles of picking up your phone over and over and over and over again. Research shows we touch our phones 2,600 times a day, not because it's beeping or ringing and not even because we consciously want to, but because our brain is telling us to do that more because when we get a notification, our brain releases dopamine. Here's what people need to understand. That happens when you check a box on your to-do list. Mm. So when you check a box on your to-do list, your brain releases dopamine. It's telling you to do that more. It is one of the reasons we are perpetually piling on the pressure on our to-do list. You get through your to-do list by some miracle, you just fill it right back up. You don't rest. And even if you do something not on your list, you go back to your list and you put it on so you can check it off. Why? Because 
Your brain is telling you to do that more. And we never stop to ask ourselves, do these boxes represent anything worth doing? We are addicted to productivity. We're addicted to the feeling of checking boxes. And if we don't stop and question that, we're going to be a rat in a wheel the rest of our life, completely exhausted, very productive, and incredibly unhappy. Ooh, you're preaching today. I (laughs) love this so much. Addicted to productivity. When you, I want you to go a little more into that. I don't know. How, again, that's another phrase I'm not sure I've heard too many people dive headfirst into. How can someone like recognize, oh my goodness, I'm addicted to productivity. You can't sit still. Mm. You can't rest. Mm-hmm. I, I am the worst. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is me, Rachel. This is like the pot calling the kettle black. Like I, if, if you're going, oh, that's me. Yeah, me too. Me and you both in the mm-hmm. same camp it is almost impossible for me to sit down. Mm -hmm. And even when I sit down, I'm thinking of what I need to be doing next and how quickly I can get off the couch to go do that next thing. Like it is, it's a restlessness. It's a restlessness in our, it's almost like, um, uh, and there's some fascinating, it's like this adrenaline. We're addicted to the adrenaline of going. We have, and you can even say this with input into our brain. So we are so used to having constant input. We don't know how to be still, be silent, not be having input, not putting information in our brain. Think about this. You go to a building, you walk in the elevator, you take out your phone. Mm -hmm. You don't just stare at the doors. It's a two second elevator ride. We can't be silent for two seconds. We can't not put some information in our brain, scroll something, look at something, check something, whatever for two seconds. And what's interesting is our brain was not created for this. It was created to have rest. Our body was created to have rest for stillness, for solitude, for silence, for time with God, for time to reflect, for time to pray. You can't think clearly when you're running a hundred miles an hour. And so there's this, um, we're addicted to it. Mm-hmm. We're addicted to the adrenaline. We're addicted to the dopamine. We're addicted to the fix of what it feels like to check that box. And yeah, I feel good. I've got something done. Check that box. Feels good. I've got something done. Check that box, check that box. And, um, and if you can't sit still, then that's a good clue that, that this is something you need to practice. And it does take practice. It's hard. And and I will say this, if you have trouble relaxing in a messy house, I'm with you. It is really hard for me to relax when the house is a mess. Like I, I can rest better when the house is clean. So there's some element of normal where you want your home to be a place of rest. And if you have little kids and it's chaotic, it is hard to rest in that environment. But I think that we have got to discipline ourselves to do not only what our body needs, but to do what's going to make us happy, which is sleep and rest and stillness and silence and not keep lying to ourselves saying, I'll do that when there's time left over. There's never time left over. The house is never done. The kids are never done. The work is never done. It's never done. We have to find ways to do what matters, whatever that may be for you, a date night, a time alone, a workout, whatever, do it now. We have to find a way to prioritize it now. And what's interesting is when we do that, all those other things that were stealing our attention begin to pale in comparison because we're finally spending our time on what matters, which ultimately leads to balance. Productivity does not lead to balance. Mm. Doing the right things leads to us feeling balanced. Productivity does not lead to balance. I had to re-say that. I'm going to be processing this episode later today because I'm right there with you. I'm one of those hard time sitting still people. You know what's weird though? And this is why this episode is really, it's messing with me, Christy, in a good way though. (laughs) I'm like, what? You're not supposed to step on my toes. Um, But 
because I haven't always been this way. In fact, I used to be quite the opposite. And, and to your point, I mean, I grew up, we didn't have cell phones. I mean, I didn't get a cell phone until I was in late college years. And it's that's kind of mind-blowing to me when I think about all the places I went without being connected at all. You know, like my parents, I'd be like, I'll see you later tonight. I don't know. It's, you know, there was no way to yeah. connect. But I just think about that. And I'm like, man, I was wired so differently when I was younger. And if I'm honest, I, you know, I used to be more on the, I hate to use the word lazy, but I, I, I couldn't get a whole bunch done, you know, back at like even yeah. just simple things. Like I, I didn't have a, a bunch of direction and clarity, but I feel like I've swung very far the other direction and can just feel my calendar so full. So as we wrap up here today, any final words of encouragement to the woman who's listening and like, feels like, oh my gosh, you're reading my cards. Yes, this is me. Where, where can they start? Obviously, they need to get your book, you know, and you, they can walk through all the detailed steps because we didn't even get into all the steps that you give. Um, but any word of encouragement for them? Yeah, one of the things I say again and again in the book that is just the heart behind this that I want people to understand, this is your life. No one gets to tell you what should be important to you. No one gets to tell you what you should spend your time on. This is your life. How you spend your time is how you spend your life. I just want to help you spend it on what matters most to you. That tape in the back of your mind that you're failing is a lie. You're not failing. You're doing better than you think. You just have to realize it and live like it. And that's so much of the heart behind the calendar. Well, Christy, thank you again for taking time to come back on the show and talk about this very relevant topic. Before you go, can you tell the listeners where they can connect with you? and where they can get a copy of this book. Ah, thank you so much for having me, Rachel. I am so grateful for your friendship. I love being on the show and you know I do anything for you anytime. They can get the book anywhere books are sold. I'm at christywright.com and uh, yeah, the book's at Amazon, ramseysolution.com and excitingly Target. So that's been a lot of fun, but seriously, thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Well, it is time for Let's Get Real Practical. This is the part of the show that we take the topic discussed with today's guest and we get into some practical steps that you can implement into your life right now. Today's show was really all about practical tips on how to take back our time and energy. So I want to use this segment to walk you through an exercise that I do myself a few times a year to make sure that the things I'm spending my time and my energy on are where God wants me. Now, I would highly encourage you to do this when you can get out a piece of paper, it can be a post-it note, it can be a journal, whatever you want to do, because this is really important that you can write. Now, if you're in a place where you can't write, that's okay, listen to it, and then you could just put yourself through it later when you do have some paper in front of you. So here's the first thing I want you to do. Make a list of the things that you do daily or weekly or mon monthly that require a commitment from you. It could be things from your work, things that you volunteer for, kids' events, whatever comes to mind that you know is a commitment that you put on your calendar, add that to the list. I don't know about you, but whenever I complete my list, sometimes I'm even going, whoa, that's a lot of stuff. So now I want you to look at that list. And I want you to start by circling all the things on that list that are non-negotiable. So for me, I'll give my own examples. Work-related things are non-negotiable. Going to some of my kids' events are non-negotiable. 
Spending time with my husband is non-negotiable. Doing this podcast is a non-negotiable. Do that. Circle the things that you don't even have to think about. You just go, oh yeah, that, that I'm, I'm for sure supposed to be doing that thing. And then the next thing, strike through, just run a line through any of the items that you either need to lay down, just completely walk away from. I had, I've had seasons multiple times where the Lord says there was a season for that, uh, different volunteer and different things that I've done. And then he said, okay, time to lay it down. So maybe you need to lay it down or do you need to outsource it? Do you need to maybe uh, give that to somebody else who could do it just as well as you? So go ahead and strike through any of those things. Now, here's the deal. What you have in front of you now is so powerful because now the next time that you get asked to do something or to be a part of something or it might be an awesome cause, I want you to look at that list and see if it fits into what matters to you most in this season. Now, I told you I, I do this a couple times a year because seasons change, right? Kids grow up, jobs change, things that we're passionate about, they change. And we'll, of course, have a lot of the things that are the same. Like for me, my husband and that relationship will always be something that's on my non-negotiable list that I won't give up. But my kids are going to grow up one day, right? And I don't know where the Lord's always going to call me to be. So we have to hold some things with open hands. But do this every so often, especially when you just feel like something's off, where you just feel out of balance. And, um, you know, there is no such thing as balance, but there is such a thing as pressing into doing the right things that matter most to you in this season. Now, I want you to remember a yes to someone or something else means a no to something in your life. Okay, so if you say yes to something new, What's going to say, what do you have to say no to now, right? Because you didn't come, you didn't create more time. You didn't create more energy. If a yes to something new means, okay, what does that mean for all the other things that I'm currently doing? Getting clear on what we're called to helps remove decision-making pressure. It makes decision-making so much easier when we know the things that God's called us to in this season because it's an easy yes or no when new things come in and try to take our time and our energy. Well, my friends, that concludes our Get Real Practical segment for today. Don't forget to either leave a review or tag us on social media to be entered to win a copy of Christy's new book. I pray this Real Talk episode brought you one step closer to living free and pursuing your God-given dreams. I'll see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.